Howdy do, I'm James Baquet, also known as the Temple Guy. From the tiny jewel of Chunxiang-ge, the incense pavilion near Shanghai's Yuyuan Garden and City God District, I took a single bus south to Longhua Temple, the largest ancient Buddhist temple in Shanghai. Come visit it with me in this episode of... Temple, temple Although I hope you enjoy the audio version of this episode, this is one that's best viewed as well, because Longhua Temple boasts a spectacular collection of statuary. Longhua Temple dates, according to legend, to the year 242 in the Three Kingdoms period, which dates from 220 to 280 in the Common Era. That legend says that Sun Quan, who lived from 182 to 252 and was the king of Wu, one of those three kingdoms which occupied the area in which Shanghai is now situated, had gotten his hands on some of the relics of the Buddha, like those we discussed in episode 084. He decreed the construction of 13 pagodas to house these precious objects, and the pagoda standing in front of Longhua Temple was one of them. Another story also attributes the pagoda to Sun Quan, but for a different reason. He built it, they say, to demonstrate filial piety toward his mother, Thus it's called the Bao'an, or Repaying Kindness, Pagoda. Never mind that the oldest known parts of the pagoda date from the Song Dynasty, which was 960 to 1279 at the earliest. One likely story is that the temple and some pagoda really were there from the early days, but, as almost always happens, were completely destroyed. The temple as we know it was first built on or near the old site in the Song Dynasty. I've been to places where temples rose whole and complete out of bare earth, and claim to be restorations of former institutions. This may be like that, but nevertheless smelling of antiquity. The temple's name is composed of two characters. The first, Long, is indisputably dragon. The second, Hua, is at its base flower. The traditional character even resembles one. But by extension, Hua can mean things like magnificent or splendid. Think of English flowery and even indicates China itself, a magnificent country, as seen in the common translation of Nanhua Temple in Guangdong as South China Temple. I've chosen the more literal rendering, Dragonflower, to translate the temple's name, as the dragonflower tree is associated with the Maitreya Buddha, just as the sacred fig is revered as the Bodhi tree under which the current Buddha attained enlightenment. Unusually, this temple has two centrally placed figures of Maitreya, one, the typical laughing Buddha in the mountain gate, and the other in the more elegant bodhisattva form in the Heavenly King's Hall, as we'll see in a minute. But because of the varied meanings of Hua, translating the name as Temple of the Magnificent Dragon would be just as apt, and plays into a local legend that a dragon once appeared here. Longhua Temple was once much, much larger, but on my way in, walking along Longhua Old Street, I passed a reminder of a dark era in the district's past. In the 1920s and 30s, the lion's share of the temple's grounds, once occupied by gardens, were taken over by the Guomintang, famous in America as the party of Chiang Kai-shek, who fled to Taiwan when the communists were victorious in 1949. A prison was built to intern communists, and numerous executions were conducted there. It then became a Japanese-run civilian internment camp during the Second Sino-Japanese War, 1937 and 1945, which overlapped with World War II. Today, in commemoration of those killed by the Guomintang, it is called Longhua Martyrs Cemetery. The cemetery dwarfs the modern temple, and I walked by its south gate on my way in. I'm told there's still a garden, though I didn't see it as it's behind the cemetery walls. 
The temple hosts an annual fair that dates back over three centuries, though it was interrupted by both the Cultural Revolution and the SARS epidemic, time to coincide with the springtime flowering of the ancient peach trees in the garden. Despite its Song Dynasty layout, which indicates the more likely period of its actual founding, most of the temple's buildings were built in the 19th and early 20th centuries. The pagoda lies outside the south-facing Pilo Gate. Then in succession along the central axis are the Heavenly King's Hall, the Buddha Hall, a hall dedicated to the Three Sages of the West, the Abbot's Room, and the Sutra Library. Along the sides are the drum and bell towers on either side, slightly in front of the Heavenly King's Hall, a hall of 500 arhats and a guanin hall on the left, and mainly utility rooms, guest office, dining hall, and so on, on the right. I encountered one of Longhua's highlights before I even entered the gates. The Longhua Pagoda stands in a plaza in front of the gate in its own small, walled compound. It's the only ancient pagoda remaining in Shanghai. While the foundations may be older and there have been extensive repairs, the core of the current structure dates to 977. It has seven stories and is over 132 feet tall. The exterior is octagonal, with railed balconies on every level and tinkling bells on each corner. But the interior, I'm told, is square and is encircled by a wooden staircase which gets narrower as one ascends. Much of what we see today is a 1950s reconstruction, which also renovated much of the temple complex. Inside the temple, I was delighted to discover that there were no restrictions on photography of the statues, and what statues they are. Three collections particularly caught my eye. The first was in the 500 Arhats Hall. We've seen a number of these in our travels together, but usually they involve life-size statues lining the aisles of a huge building. Here, however, foot-high statues of, you guessed it, the 500 disciples, are seated on tiers around a central figure of the historic Buddha under a tree in one modest-sized room. The second fantastic feature was a rather peculiar Guanin Hall. It had not one, but two figures of the thousand-armed Guanin, the Bodhisattva of Compassion, back-to-back. What's more, on the back wall there was a third life-size Guanyin, this one in the elegant royal ease posture we learned about in episode 088. As if this weren't enough, the side walls were sculpted into stylized clouds occupied by small figures of incarnations of Guanyin, perhaps 18 of them, one of her sacred numbers, with other figures interspersed. Finally, there was the main hall itself. Though labeled Da Xiong Bao Dian, or Precious Hall of the Great Hero, a title usually reserved for the historic Buddha, its main occupant is Vairochana, my favorite Buddha, with figures of Pushien or Samantabhadra, and Wanshu or Manjushri on either side, not in their usual riding an elephant and lion portrayals, but seated in royal ease. But what made this hall really spectacular were the figures in glass cases around the sides. Starting at front left, there are ten standing figures, not quite life-sized, of the Zhutian, or various gods, half of the set. Next, there are eight seated arhats before we reach the hall's rear door. Then eight more arhats and ten more jutien before we reach the front right of the hall. That's twenty various gods, the Arsha jutien, and sixteen arhats, as we met them in episodes 057 and 058. These figures are stunning enough. Now throw in the Haidao or Sea Island Guanin with its panoply of figures behind the main altar, and one could spend hours in contemplation of the images in this hall. A couple more interesting notes about this temple. A mountain gate usually features the two kings, Hung and Ha, see episode 027. This one has a laughing Buddha, normally found in the Heavenly King's Hall. Remember, Longhua's features the more elegant Bodhisattva form of Maitreya. And instead of a Wei Tuo behind, there's an alabaster, maybe jade, standing Amitofo, 
holding a lotus in one hand and performing the boon-bestowing gesture with the other. And, where we would normally find a figure of Guanin in the drum tower, we've seen that here she has her own separate hall, so in her place is a very Taoist-looking figure of Chie Lan, who is also the Lord Guan Yu of the Romance of the Three Kingdoms, and known to be a temple guardian. After lingering a bit longer around the pagoda, I found a bus and a train back to the neighborhood of my hotel. But my day wasn't finished yet. And that, my beloveds, is that. Until next time, may you and your loved ones and all sentient beings be well and happy. Adios, amigos. Be sure that for this one you check out the newsletter, which serves as the show notes for this episode number 090 at templetales.substack.com. It has some amazing pictures and some links, and at that address you'll also find the archive with all of the newsletters. I really think you'll be glad you made the effort. In the next episode, we'll visit the elegant Kyoto suburb of Uji and learn about a most peculiar old man at Mimuroto-ji.